How do you take the presentation that I did Sunday night and the history of the pastors of the 18th century, how do you take that and make the quantum leap from the 18th century to the 21st century? Because that's the real question, right? I mean, what does it mean to know what they did and then transfer it to our time? And certainly, none of us want to be in a war like they were. Well, I think the first thing that we have to understand is, is how the church functions and how uh, it's structured. And this is a little diagram that I have always used. I don't know, you may use something similar to it. I don't think it's original with me necessarily, but I use an equilateral triangle which of course is Trinitarian, and this is the church. We all know that the foundation of the church, according to 1 Corinthians 3, is Jesus. He's the foundation. You must build on Him, obviously. We don't believe government's the answer. We believe that Jesus is the answer. Mm -hmm. But because we live on earth, government is a part of our lives, and since we are a constitutional republic, then it is critical that we as citizens be involved because if we are not, the republic ceases to be a republic and it becomes something else. And I want to pass down to my children and my grandchildren the republic I've enjoyed all yeah. of my life and the liberties that it provides. So there's the foundation. And then I believe we have two mandates as a church. We have a biblical mandate. That's to preach the whole counsel of God. We are to be committed to God's Word. I know we all kind of read different passages and see them a little bit differently, but probably none of us in this room are heretics. Mm -hmm. And so we base everything we believe on God's Word, so we have that biblical mandate. But then I believe we also have a cultural mandate. That's where the salt and light message comes in. We take God's Word, and then we apply it to the culture. If you go back to the 18th century with the Black Robe guys, they were the hub of society. They were the hub of the culture. Paul, wouldn't it be wonderful if the church oh was the hub now? Literally you know? the center of town and the town was built around the church. That's exactly right. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you go to Lexington, Massachusetts, you'll find that where Jonas Clark's church mm -hmm. sat was right in the center, and that's why it's Lexington Green today. It's right in the center of town. So that's how the church is supposed to be. So we, we fulfill that uh, cultural mandate. And then if you'll notice as the triangle converges to the top, the whole point is to advance the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you, as a, as a fellow preacher, I'm, I'm often very frustrated, sometimes kind of angered by how many Christians seem to be advancing their kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's always about their thing, our ministry, this and that, my, my donor base, my this, my that. And I think one of the reasons why the church is not more effective than it is is because we, we just refuse to work together. Uh, we, we claim that we're all part of the body of Christ, but when it comes to actually working together, we don't want to do it. Well, in the end here, what we're trying to do is to advance the kingdom of God. So that's what we're after. So what do you do now uh, that you we're wrapping things up and you're going to go back to, to your uh, respective communities and your churches? I think the first thing you have to do is you have to kind of decompress. Many of you have told me, and I'm sure you've told Paul, it's kind of like taking a drink out of a fire hydrant. We're, we're, we're throwing out a lot of information. Well, that's because we only have a short period of time to be with you, and we want to at least plant some of these thoughts, not assuming that you've never heard any of this, but we want to uh, throw it at you, and then you kind of digest it, and then you begin to make certain determinations. You begin to determine, okay, what, what is it that I'm going to do with this? How will this fit me? And then you begin to design 
a strategy taking the information that we've shared with you and personalize it. We would never expect you to want to, to even want to be carbon copies of us. I mean, have you looked at him? I mean, he's a wreck. So, you know, you don't want to copy. But the, the whole idea, of course, is to personalize it. Now, we've already told you that all the materials are on our website and you are free to use any or all of it. You can modify it or just use it exactly as we presented it. That's fine with us. You're not plagiarizing. And of course, remember, the definition of plagiarism is to steal one person's stuff, but if you steal two people's stuff and mix it together, that's research. So, you know, we've done the research. We've stolen a bunch of stuff, and so now you're just doing research. Thank you. So you're not, you're not plagiarizing. Okay, so uh, you, you're going to design something that fits you and your church. And your church is going to be different from our church. And so you have to uh, maybe approach things a little bit differently. And then you're going to begin to discuss, and, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in just a moment, but you're going to have to meet with your leadership. See, they're not here. So they haven't gotten what you've just gotten over the last couple of days. And it's going to be very difficult for them to grasp in an hour-long meeting where you're kind of excited and you're pumped up and steam's coming out your ears and fire's flying out of your eyes. And, man, and then they walk away going, well, I don't know. And you say, man, why can't they get it? Well, they weren't here. See, they didn't get the time. They didn't see the black robe presentation Sunday night or hear about compartmentalization. They didn't hear the particular presentation. So you're going to have to sit down and discuss with them. And then once you've done that, you're going to declare war. And that's, that's what we must do. And that's what the black robe regiment did. Thankfully, right now, we're still not having to carry any kind of firearms. Uh, but we are in a war. And Alex made a, a beautiful <laughs> a presentation about all of that. So there are some sermons that you need to become very familiar with. And wonderfully, these are all on the internet. You can find these sermons. I quoted a number of times from this sermon from Jonathan Mayhew. He preached that in a three-part discourse. That's why it was preached in 1749 and 1750. He preached it toward the end of that year and then went into the new year. So uh, it's a three-part message. You can get all of that online. And then I quoted from the Samuel West sermon um, that was an election sermon. Now, by the way, in my book on, on the black robe, a lot of those quotes, not the full sermons, because that would just take up too much room, but some pretty hefty quotes from these sermons are already there and documented. And I kind of wrote that book as a textbook, so it will help you. We've done some of the work. So here are the steps that I would recommend if you want to attempt to become or become more of a modern-day black robe preacher. First of all, you must be committed to preaching the whole gospel not just the parts people want to hear. And Paul, you feel the same pressure, don't you? You want to preach what people want to hear. Oh, sure. Rather than what... We all like that positive response, but we've been commissioned to make disciples, teaching them to observe yeah. all things. Whatsoever. All things. In fact, think about what Dr. Hotze just said. Yeah. You know, if we are shepherds, and we are truly concerned about the well-being of the flocks that have been entrusted to us, then yeah, primary, we've got it. We want to see them get to heaven. We want to present everything to them yeah. so that they can become saved. But I also want them to have jobs. I want them to have healthy families doing it God's way. I want them to have healthy bodies. So for pastors to abandon 
the literal health and well-being of their congregations, to me, was not only careless, it was reckless. Yeah, and, and I think the, the reason they do that is because they don't see that as spiritual, yeah. that's yeah. secular. Yeah. See, and they're, they're guilty of Gnosticism, even yep. though they don't, they don't yep. know it. So mm -hmm. we, we've got to preach the whole gospel. We have to stop censoring the message, friends. We, we've got to stop censoring. Have you ever, because I know I have, uh, been preparing a message, say, boy, if I say that. <laughs> or while you're up there speaking, you've got something in your notes, and you get ready to say it, and you say, whoo, man, do I, should I say this? Well, yeah, don't, don't censor yourself unless you're just doing it in the flesh, obviously, and then maybe not so much. But Spurgeon said he preached a lot better when he was mad anyway. So sometimes <laughs> it's just better to get mad and let her rip. So, uh, but stop censoring the message. Stop preaching a form of biblical psychology. The other night I was watching a preseason ball game, and when the ball game was over, it was on a local channel in Oklahoma City. And so paid uh, uh, programming came on. It was later in the night. Uh, from Andy Stanley's church in, uh, in North Atlanta. Andy, I'm not going to overjudge him here, but he's written a, a book recently saying that you need to jettison the Old Testament. It's embarrassing. We just need to unhitch from it and don't use the Old Testament anymore. So that creates Christianity with amnesia because you don't have any reason to know why <laughs> we believe what we believe in the New Testament because you've forgotten who you were. But anyway, a, 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 sermon, a, a sermon or a service came up and, you know, he's talking, and I started listening, and everything he was saying was okay, Paul, but it was just psychology. It was just self-help stuff, and, and we've got to stop that. That's, that's not what's going to transform people's lives. Biblical correctness is going to have to trump political correctness, I'm just yeah. telling you. Amen. And, and that's easy for us to say, but I'm telling you, I have run into a buzzsaw before uh, over that. Uh, number five, truth and liberty must be more important to you than comfort and approval. Now, I, um, I have a, a pretty uh, tough story in my own life. I started preaching when I was 16, and by the time I was 22, I was already full-time in the ministry. By the time I was 24, I was pastoring my first church, uh, vocationally, full-time. Pastored that church for eight years and then moved to a place just west of Oklahoma City named Yukon. Took that church on. It was running about 325, 350 when I got there. Uh, I was there for 23 years. It grew to up over 1,000 while I was there in that church. Uh, we uh, created uh, elders. I ran for office, served in the legislature there in Oklahoma while I was pastoring that church. Obviously, our staff grew with the church. I was traveling around doing black robe. Pulpit freedom. And then, Your elders pulpit recommended freedom. you participate. Well, and then I met Paul and yeah. everything went down the tubes. <laughs> but uh, uh, before that, so, you know, then Paul and I do pulpit freedom and we start going around doing little tours. In those days, we we're calling it the Give Me Liberty Tour, but mm -hmm. anyhow, speaking together. And so, so I'm, I'm going along, and all the while, my leaders are saying, go get it, go get it, go get it. Well, later on, they decided they didn't want to go get it, and eventually, they uh, uh, switched horses on me in the middle of the creek after having been there for 23 years where church, our church had relocated, uh, built a beautiful facility out on 30 acres of prime property where our community was growing to, and uh, they pulled a silent coup and kicked me out. So after 23 years, I found myself without a church, and that was in 2015. Wasn't anything wrong I'd done, no scandal, no stealing money, nothing like that. It was just standing for what they had said they believed in and wanted me to do, and they'd say, go get them. 
Now, I want you to know that what I thought was maybe one of the most devastating moments of my life turned out to be one of the most liberating moments of my life. I remember pulling out of the parking lot and I turned over to my wife and I said, well, I guess that's how ministry ends because we're leaving with a little severance pay, which really was hush money is, is what it really was. And I, I didn't have a slice idea of what we were going to do. I mean, how do you go start looking for a church when you're, you're closing in on your, your mid to late 50s? I mean, how do, how do you do that? Most churches are not looking for a guy that age. If, if you haven't established yourself by then, it becomes far more difficult. And I, I found instead of, of uh, the end of the road, a new road. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, was, I, I was liberated and uh, I'll tell you more about that here in just a second. But, but it was all because I was unwilling to compromise on that message. So the depth of your church must matter more to you than yep. its breadth. You, you know, most churches today are a mile wide, but they're an inch deep. And, and muddy water is not always deep, you know. Just because you stir stuff up doesn't mean that you're deep. Um, you cannot go from zero to 60 in one week. So you cannot take what we've done here. If your people have not been hearing a lot of this, you can't get up Sunday morning and put on a black robe and start hammering away. And I'm the black robe regiment and wave a gun around and say, you're going to follow me or go to hell. You know, something like that. You, you can't, you know, you just, you just can't do that. Uh, so, you know, you didn't go from zero to 60. And again, I'm not assuming that all of this is brand new information to you, but understand where they are. And, and don't try to do that. Uh, begin to work points of history into your sermons. If you haven't been doing that, it's a marvelous way to do it. You know, Paul, you and I just did a podcast. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, if you join up with us, we do a weekly podcast that you'll have access to, and we try to give some, some helpful information. Uh, and what were some of the things that you said are just great moments in history that you can really carve a great message? Well, well, yeah, we talk about some things that just naturally fit, where you can give the opportunity about the great faith of our founding fathers and, and things that helped shape America. You know, obviously, around July 4th holiday is a great time. Uh, coming up to Thanksgiving, we'll have some experts. We'll have Dr. Paul. Jaley from Plymouth beyond giving you some insight as to the faith of these incredibly bold separatists that came yeah. and, and built a new life in Plymouth. But September is a great month because yep. as Dan referenced during, uh, during his uh, presentations earlier, September the 7th was the first meeting of the First Continental Congress. The first official act was to ask a local pastor named Jacob Deshay to come and lead in a prayer meeting. And he had the Episcopal uh, through the year plan Bible reading. They read from the Psalms that day, and as John Adams wrote to his wife Abigail, yeah. they believed that that was a direct word to them from God. Go back and look at that text. Great opportunity to preach about what America was built on. Then, of course, September yeah. 17th is Constitution Day. We've already shown you how the idea of having a defined and limited civil government defined by a constitution it's actually biblical. was God's idea. That's what he yeah. gave to Israel. Yeah. So wonderful opportunities to work in exactly. little insights, biblical truths about civil government, the faith of our foundation of America. Oh, exactly right. And then if you get to April, mm -hmm. well, you've got Lexington and Concord, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so uh, yeah. April the 19th. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of ways in which you can weave history into your, your messages. And so start looking for ways to do that. 
course, you must be open to running for office. And I mean you must be open to running for office. Typically when I say that, they think, yeah, maybe I've got some people. No, no, no. You must be willing to run for office. We are getting reports now, mm -hmm. having done enough of these camps, that we have many pastors who are running for office and winning. Mm -hmm. Tell them about the guy that ran for mayor. We just found out in Central Florida, in Lake Wells, Florida, a gentleman that came to one of our camps. I, we had not really met. I didn't remember visiting with him. A guy named Jack Hillig went back to his church, got fired up, ran for mayor, won. So he's <laughs> pastoring his church. He is now the seated mayor of a, a very influential, affluent community called Lake Wells. And the first official act he did as mayor was rather than declaring June LGBTQ plus 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 Pride Month, he stood with Ron DeSantis and their city issued a uh, Strong Fathers and Strong Families Month yeah. on behalf of the city. Yeah. So that so just that cool? this last yeah. June. Just and he's just, he's just one example of many that we could cite. And so I think you have to consider uh, running for office. It's, it's very difficult to lead people where you've not been or at least not willing to go. Now, it could be after you do that, God says, no, that's not for you. Well, that's fine. I'm not suggesting everyone in here ought to be in office, but I am suggesting that you need to consider that because you're talking about leading the way. And I'll tell you, for me, having been in the legislature, my third term, I had no opponent. Mm -hmm. And yet I walked away. Now, the reason I walked away is because of the rhinos in the legislature. And all I was doing was just ramming my head into a brick wall every day. Plus, I was doing black robe, traveling around, Paul and I doing conferences. And I had to, I had to give up something. And that seemed to be the least fruitful thing that I was doing. But I can tell you, while I was there, I learned firsthand knowledge of how the sausage is really made. And so now I can speak with absolute authority as to how the legislature in Oklahoma works and the political games that the Republicans yep. play. We know what the Dems are doing, but it's the Republicans. And so in Oklahoma, we have such large Republican majorities the Democrats are not the problem, it's the Republicans. Mm -hmm. And so now I can speak with absolute authority. I was on the speaker's leadership team for uh, two of the term, or, or, or three of the years that I was there. So, you know, th there's much to be gained by being inside. And you don't have to be the legislature. It could be the school board, it could be the city council, it could be mayor or whatever. So do that, but, but encourage your people to run. The, the people you've discipled, uh, get them into office. Uh, one of the things Paul and I have said, the answer is not just getting a bunch of preachers and Christians to run for office, because if they don't know this stuff, they'll still get in there and do the wrong thing. They don't have a biblical worldview, as Barna pointed out. Uh, that's Most exactly pastors right. don't have a biblical worldview. Yeah, yeah only 37% of pastors in America have a biblical worldview. And so I saw lots of committed Christians and some preachers in the Oklahoma legislature who still voted for socialist stuff. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because they don't know these principles. Mm -hmm. So it's not enough to get Christians in there. We have to get educated Christians yep. in there. And then you cannot take your people where you have not been. So you must certainly be willing to go. And then we must accept that we're going to be a member of a select minority, at least for some time. I, I think God may be raising up a remnant. And the remnant is always small, and yet that's all God normally chooses to use. So you're probably not going to be a part of the majority. Uh, but I don't necessarily care about that. All I want to be is faithful to Him. And then you're going to have to be willing to make whatever sacrifice is necessary. And in my particular instance, 
as I was telling you, uh, I, I bought the farm, so to speak. I mean, you know, when, you, when you're kicked out of your church. Now, they lied to the congregation about what it was about. They, they totally lied and said I was leaving of my own free will and all that. It was completely untrue. And, and it, it, it tarnished my reputation with some people, but with others, they began to see through it, and they began to understand what was actually happening. And since that time, I want you to know that there's life after that. Because I know, I know what you're thinking. If I go back to my church and start this stuff, I'm going to get fired. Well, I wouldn't encourage you to try to get fired, but I would tell you if that church is that resistant, probably God needs you to be somewhere else anyway. You need to consider starting a church. Uh, that's what I ended up doing, what I was planning on doing, but that's what I ended up doing. And then uh, was doing really, really well. And, and he came up to me and said, we ought to merge our church. And then my ministry ended there. But, but I mean, so, so opportunities for ministry for me are actually broader than they were when I was pastoring that huge church. Yeah. So I just want you to know that if the worst possible thing were to happen to you, probably in your mind, get fired, that might be the best possible thing that could happen to you. And I, I think I'd be less than honest with you if I didn't tell you that that could happen. Mm -hmm. That could very well happen, and you just have to be prepared for that, but you can take comfort in knowing that you are following in the footsteps of the true patriot preachers in our history. Now... You know these scriptures. I'm not going to read all these to you, but the Bible is incredibly clear about what happens when, when we stand for God and we stand faithful to Him regardless of what our church may be saying or what the, the world may be saying. I found that sometimes your so-called closest friends will become your greatest enemies. Mm -hmm because they somehow believe they're defending the faith. See, they really do believe the separation of church and state is biblical. They really do believe that you're going to lose your non-tax status. They believe all this stuff. But I encourage you to stand strong, and like all of those great prophets of old, man, we need to be modern-day black-robed preachers. Amen. And I believe God's raising up this army, Amen. and we can possibly be the very reason that a republic is saved. Yeah. We may not be able to save this whole republic. In fact, I would argue either the republic's gone. The republic hasn't existed for a long time. But I do believe there are states, like Texas, like Oklahoma, like Arkansas, Florida. who actually want a, re a republic. Mm -hmm. And so we may be a part of saving a new republic mm -hmm. that may be birthed out of the ashes. So God bless you. Uh, it's just been an honor to be with you. And, and I, 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 I will pray for you uh, as you work. And you won't be doing it by yourself. You'll be doing it with hundreds of other pastors, including Amen. us. Amen. So I don't know how encouraging that would possibly be. <laughs> with us. But anyway. So Well, as Pastor Dan said, don't go and just unload on everybody this weekend if you haven't been doing this. I strongly suggest you go through, you've got an outline in your notebook, compartmentalization. Start with your people. It's, it's all about discipleship. That's right. And again, it's the whole point, what part of life is Jesus not the Lord over? Well, he's the Lord over all of it. So why aren't we making disciples? Why aren't we making followers of Christ in every area of life? If you start there, there will not, there shouldn't be. There could be some just a demonic deacons in your church, you know, yeah. but or whatever. But but as Dan talked about that that well, it was a nightmare that turned out to be great because yeah. we didn't have this plan. And here's the thing: I'm senior pastor of church for 18 years. But it's not about ego or pride or anything else. It's like there was an opportunity for us to expand and do some work in Florida. Yep. Dan, 
Let's join forces. Now we're co-pastors. Oh, you mean you're not the absolute dictator anymore? No, don't care. The Lord is the Lord. Is Lord. It's not ever been Amen. about us. Yeah. And it's been great freedom because we both have the ability. Our church is always cared for, except on rare weekends where we both happen to be gone, which, which isn't often. But we can both work around the country and then occasionally work. Yeah. But it's a, it's a ministry of our church. But I, I introduced you yesterday in the back of the church. We have a young man here named Andy Comer who did a church plant. I think it's called uh, Antioch Church in Georgetown. Texas, if I remember right. But his wife found out about the first one of these we had done post-COVID uh, in Grapevine back in 2020. And uh, Andy, honestly, I, by his admission, his testimony, he was discouraged. His church plant was running about 100, and then you had wow. COVID, and it was just it was just like, I'm ready to give up. Must be out of the Lord's will. It was so encouraged by fellowshipping with 175 other pastors and being introduced to all of this comprehensive biblical worldview, his church is now increased sevenfold. They're running about <laughs> 700 now. Is that cool? Because the body of yeah, Christ is amen. hungry for real leadership, real discipleship. So what is it? Here are some of the things we're going to suggest. As hey, Dan said, go, go ahead. Well, well, our church has doubled. Oh, yeah, our church. In the last yeah, two years, yeah, yeah. we've literally From the shutdown, doubled. yeah, people were, we, we were dealing from a, a biblical basis, a, a biblical response to yeah. the political issues of our day. Uh, and people were hungry for it. They weren't getting it in their church. No. And the few pastors that were speaking about Black Lives Matter were wrong. So yeah. we were out yeah, there on the radio and podcasts, and we've—I mean, we've had a tremendous growth. Quite frankly, if we had the facility, we'd, we'd be more than yeah, that. We've, I think so. We're in the process of trying to expand yeah. in, in every way we can as quickly as we can because people are hungry for true Bible yeah, teaching. That's right. So I would that's encourage right. you. Now you've taken the first step. You've gone through the basic training. This is not a club that anybody can just say, "Hey, I want to be a black robe preacher." You know what? Uh, General Boykin's a good friend of ours. Yeah. You don't go to General Boykin and say, General Boykin, would you just make me a Delta Ranger? Well, no. You actually have to go through the training. <laughs> the badge you, doesn't make yeah, you Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you earn the right because you have the That's knowledge right. and the know-how to be considered a Delta Ranger. Well, you've gone through some basic training. So this, this is the end of your education, but at least you have a foundation from which to build. And again, we'll be working together. We would encourage every one of you to get with the leadership in your church and review your bylaws. As we mentioned, the Equality Act is one of the ways they're coming after Christianity in America. Right. And if they make LGBTQ plus, 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 plus part of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, then they will have the ability to sue your church, not just arrest you, but sue your church into non-existence. So we've made some, we've got some recommended verbiage that has been vetted by Liberty Council, uh, and we've got access with ADF, Liberty Council, and yeah. then First Liberty in Dallas, so we're friends with all these organizations. But we would recommend you check your bylaws just to make sure you've got every firewall in there that you can put in there. Second thing is we have seen over COVID the last couple of years just what's going on in public education. I was a product of public ed. When I went to public ed, we had Easter break, we had Christmas break, uh, we opened every day with with the Pledge of Allegiance and prayer uh, during Christmas time. We had one of the other kids' dads, who was a Methodist pastor, came into our classroom in the second grade and read the Luke two Christmas story to us. That's what school used to be. Boy, it twisted you up. Yeah, it sure did. <laughs> every every other car in the Edmond, Oklahoma high school parking lot was a pickup truck with a hunting rifle hanging in the back window. 
We didn't have such a thing as a school shooting because our teachers yeah. were moral, our yes. kids were moral, our families were moral. That's not the way it is anymore. You have seen some of this. This is a gentleman that we worked with down in Florida. He's a Christian school teacher uh, in the Tampa area, and they fired him because he was ordered to go in and watch a female shower in the women's showers. A, or excuse me, in the men's showers. A female that chose to identify as a male showering in the men's locker room, leadership, or his boss said, you've got to go in and watch her shower. He says, I'm not going in and watching a naked 16-year-old girl shower. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to. Lost his job. That's what's going on in public ed. These are some screenshots from some web, from uh, social media of our school district. Edmond is supposed to be a very conservative uh, area of, of Oklahoma. And this is what we have. They've got these vile screenshots uh, just mocking the parents and promoting uh, the Marxist agenda. So that's what's going on. We've seen the critical race theory, the LGBTQ grooming. Well, yeah. there is an answer. We stand shoulder to shoulder with Dr. Scarborough. Right now, we as Christian, as Christian missionaries, need to be invading the school boards yeah, that's right. to take back that ground. We need to be invading public education for those kids that are trapped in it. We need Christian teachers that aren't afraid to stand up for truth and aren't afraid to lose their job if need be to try to reach that mission field that's in there. But let me tell you, we've been commanded to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If you are sending your kids to public ed right now, just recognize you're not doing that. So there is an option. Every one of us have facilities. doesn't matter whether you've got an auditorium that seats 50 or an auditorium that seats 5,000. Every one of us have facilities that sit idle for about five days out of seven. What we have chosen to do is we have chosen to partner with local homeschool co-ops. We have four different homeschool co-ops that use our facilities rent-free, and we are able to provide uh, an option, an educational option to all of our families yeah. plus others in the community. It's easy to do. Strongly consider, this is critical, education of our children, strongly consider a homeschool partnership with a co-op. It's not difficult. Any other alternative, obviously, Dran and their staff can help work you through. And then start a salt light ministry. It is a wonderful complement to your preaching with fun biblical worldview training as well as voter registration drives and initiatives and other things like that. And then just stand up and be a modern-day black robe preacher. I had a video I was going to show, but for the second time I'm not going to show it. It's a five-minute clip from when Dan and I got back from Orlando last year. I, I mentioned to you the, our, our community, Edmund, had had uh, the mayor was, who was n newly elected and full-blown woke uh, celebrated LGBTQ Pride Month. Well, we led, we went down to the city council and read a very gracious but bold prophetic voice and basically rebuked the city council and the mayor with great grace and asked them to change direction. But we've got a video. We'll send it out to you. It's five minutes. We're not going to play it right now because we don't have the time uh, to do so. And then we introduce you to our websites. Visit our website. Lots of information there in the drop-down menu. Everything that you've seen this week, we actually have in a systematic training uh, with both in English and Spanish in PDF along with the videos. You can actually go through this in a small group training. You can review it again yourself. Uh, you can you know, do whatever you want to with it. 
but it's out there and it's available to you. When you click on one of these, you get this kind of a look and you go through the, uh, the screen. You'll have our PowerPoint slides are available. As Dan said, you can use them as they are. You're free to make modifications. Again, our, our PDFs are, it's almost word for word from much of what you've heard in both English and Spanish. We have some study questions on those first 10 lessons if you would like. We've got a, a, a ministry or pastor, or excuse me, messages and outlines on different subjects of the day. For example, Marxism, uh, the climate change, uh, ESG. ESG scores, yeah. exactly right. Black Lives Matter, which is the Trojan, Trojan horse. Critical race theory is simply the Trojan horse to bring Marxism into right. the modern day. Right. All of this is there. Also, we have two monthly calls, pastors network calls from across the country. Uh, the first Thursday of every month, we have the pastor town hall month, and we'll have, you know, we may have Alex Newman on talking about what's really going on in Ukraine. Or, for example, this last month, Dan and I did some sermon ideas uh, for September. But always there's going to be something relevant to what's going on in the news or something that could potentially be beneficial, helpful to you in sermon preparation over the course of the next month. So, uh, obviously, as you have heard from us, uh, Donald Trump revealed the existence of the deep state. He was going to rip it out in his second term. Sadly, as we all know, Donald Trump's in Mar-a-Lago. You know where the deep state still is? D.C. Washington, D.C. If you think that the answers are going to come from D.C., you're mistaken. Now, the states created D.C. The states have the ability to rein in and out of control D.C. So that's what we're focusing on politically. But we encourage you to use the notebooks, preach through them, modify them as you like. You have access to all of our PowerPoint slides. We've got subject matter experts on all these issues we have great relationships with. Uh, obviously, apologetics is something that is very critical. The facts of our faith. We're not Christians because we just have this uh, feeling. Uh, I'm a Christian because it's factually true. The tomb is empty. That means Jesus is the Lord. Yeah. I'm just smart enough to fall on my knees and cry out to him as Savior and, and Lord and King. Uh, but uh, partners with all these, we got shared sermon sections, social media, all of this is available. Again, we have updates on current issues, current events, uh, Islam, climate change, immigration, all of this uh, resources are available. All this information is available at libertypastors.com. Uh, and then you can email us at info at libertypastors.com.